Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What happens if your face gets hacked? The media is using its Trump playbook on Elon Musk and a trans man's man. You're listening to the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. For those watching the show, you will see that I'm wearing my red hat front ways kind of propped up like a redneck might wear it, like Governor Brian Kemp from State of George might wear it. And that's just how it's going to be today. That's how the show is going to be done. Not going to be done as Governor Brian Kemp, not in his voice, but just in that kind of style. You can see I'm wearing the Gwinnett Stripers baseball cap, not to be confused with the Gwinnett Strippers. One is a minor league baseball team. The other is Gwinnett's most popular attraction. We can go ahead and dive in to what I think is a top story of the day that's not getting covered all of that much, but it's... The consequences of COVID, a lot of things were implemented during COVID, as you know, through the Great Reset, because part of that plan, that were implemented under the guise of protection of public health safety that just aren't really going to go away. At least not all of them anyway. In fact, probably not most of them. And here we have a story about one of those programs implemented under the guise of COVID that is not only here to stay, it is expanding. And it's a story that If you're someone who's traveling during this holiday season and you just hate having to show your ID and physically hand it over to some obnoxious, disgusting TSA agent, then you just might be in luck because 16 major airports across the United States are experimenting with a way for you to fly without having to hand your identification over to this disgusting TSA agent where they can touch your ID with their filthy hands that they've been groping people with all day. At participating airports, what you can do instead to verify that you are who you say you are instead of handing your ID over to the TSA agent is you can walk up to one of the many new airport kiosks that are available in these 16 airports. And then what you can do is you can put your face right over this kiosk that has a camera inside of it And you can let it do a biometric scan of your face. Because the TSA is testing what the Washington Post calls controversial facial recognition passenger screening technology that if it goes well, if they have success, they hope to expand the use of to airports all around the country to kind of standardize it. The Washington Post says that the facial recognition tech helps improve security and possibly efficiency. Possibly. Maybe efficiency. But then it turns right around and calls, calls the technology unproven, which would seem to contradict the idea that it helps improve security. And it expresses concern over bringing such unproven technology with such civil rights ramifications that we still just don't understand to one of the most already stressful parts of traveling. The civil rights ramifications they speak of are obviously that the facial recognition scanners 
will be racist and transphobic, duh, because, you know, it's 2022, and in 2022, it's actually racist and transphobic to not make the heart of your news story somehow related to racism and transphobia. And the Washington Post sure seems to be showing a lot of concern over the problems that this type of facial recognition technology could cause, especially for a a news publication that back in April of 2021 boasted in an article titled, How America's Surveillance Networks Helped the FBI Catch the Capitol Mob on January 6th Using, among other things, facial recognition technology. They sure seemed happy about it back then. I guess it just matters who the facial recognition technology is being used against. I mean, democracy, national security, insurrection... Go ahead and deploy that facial recognition tech. The program is called Credentialed Authentication Technology with Camera, or CAT-2. And the TSA's facial recognition pilot program began at Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport back in 2020. Why? Well, as I referenced earlier, it started amid concerns about COVID transmission. Because you have the filthy hands of the disgusting, obnoxious, dirty TSA agents that has COVID all over them. So we need to find a way that they don't have to touch your ID. Just, just your balls and your ass. That's, that's all they need to be touching, not your identification. And so they implemented this technology. They put all these pilot programs out there. And here's how it works. They say that this system is for general passenger security screening. And you step up to the travel document checker kiosk. You stick your ID into the machine Then you look into the camera for up to five seconds and scans your face and the machine compares your live photo to the one it sees on your identification card. They think they call this a one-to-one verification system comparing one face to one ID. Although it's racist to even suggest that someone has an ID, by the way, even though the software they say is judging if you're an imposter or not. So the software is being tested. They will have a dirty, disgusting TSA agent there. Well, actually, maybe they won't. More on that in a second. To make the final call. So they'll have a human making the final call for now. How accurate is it is a question. And the TSA says that it's been better at verifying IDs than the manual process. What about people who don't look like the driver's license photos? I mean, that's a lot of us because you don't have to get a new driver's license like every 10 years or so now. I can't even remember the last time. I got a new driver's license photo. I think I was like seven years old. Minor variations in appearance over time, such as changing your hairstyle, have negligible negative impacts on the identity verification, the TSA says. It then goes on to say, but the TSA hasn't actually released hard data about how often its system falsely identifies people. That's very interesting. So everything is based on the word of those involved in the study here. It's working, they say earlier in the article, yet it's unproven. Now they're saying they're happy with the results, yet there's been no results released. They're saying one thing, following it up with the opposite throughout this entire article. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They say that some of that data might come to light next year when the TSA has to make its case to the Department of Homeland Security to convert airports all over the United States into facial recognition systems. And that's how they said it. Convert airports all over the U.S. into facial recognition systems. The entire airport is a facial recognition system. We'll show China how to surveil people. We will do China better than China does China. I am glad that I prefer driving far more to flying. Now, what about some of the privacy concerns? I know the main focus, the main worry is the transphobic machines, the racist machines. But what about the privacy concerns, that, the things that the racists worry about is the privacy concerns? The Washington Post asked a good question related to this. They say, does going through airport security, they pose this to somebody who works at the TSA, a spokesperson. Does going through air, airport security now at one of these kiosks mean that the Homeland Security, Homeland Security has a face ID they can identify you with at protest? Good question. The TSA says it does, in response to that, says it doesn't use facial recognition for law enforcement purposes. It also says it minimizes holding on to our face data, so it isn't using the scans to build a new national database of face IDs. That's quite an answer, in my opinion, because you notice how they didn't actually directly answer the question, either the TSA or the Washington Post. The question specifically asked, does going through the airport security mean that Homeland Security has a face ID that they can identify you with at protest? Now, if you're asked that question and you know that those listening and millions of Americans around the country are worried about the privacy invasion that this type of technology could, could put upon them and you do not answer that question by saying, oh, no, Homeland Security would not have any face ID that could be used to identify you or anybody else at a protest. No need to worry. When that is not your answer to that question, that is a deliberate choice to not answer that way, which means that in all likelihood, yes, absolutely, they will have some data that they can use to identify you with at a protest. And I think we get some, what I feel is confirmation of that. And a little bit later in the article, and, and just general knowledge, the fact that they actually have already used facial recognition ID data to identify people who were at the Capitol on January 6th. They've already done it. Listen to this further explanation uh, to that question, to that answer to that question that they give. This is from the spokesperson at the TSA. The scanning and, and match is made and immediately overwritten at the travel document checker podium. Oh, good. We keep neither the live photo nor the photo of the ID. But the TSA did acknowledge, says the Washington Post, that there are cases in which it holds on to the data for up to 24 months. So its science and technology office can evaluate the system's effectiveness. They keep saying the opposite. It works great. It's unproven. Happy with the results. No results reported. We won't keep your data, but we may keep your data for two years just to evaluate the effectiveness of our systems. What it is, is it's an opt-in thing. You don't actually have to participate in the program. It's going to be one of those things where you walk up to it, you're presented with the opportunity, kind of like they ask you about organ donation. It's a nudge. They frame the question in a way where it nudges you 
into selecting the answer they want you to select, which in this case will be to opt in to test the facial recognition technology. They'll frame it in a way where you're going to do this good thing to help security, to help protect other you and uh, you know other people who are flying, and it'll also help you get on the airplane quicker, and you won't have to do that. And then they will point over to the normal way it's done, and you'll look over and you'll see a long line of people all getting their IDs groped by the TSA agent. You'll go, I'll just stick around right here. Or you'll say, okay, yeah, I'll let you scan my face for a good cause because you're not thinking about that. You're just in a hurry. It wouldn't surprise me if the TSA hired the most disgusting people on the planet that they could find to work as TSA ID checkers so that you are so disgusted when you look over there that you don't even want to go near it. Lena Dunham. They will hire Lena Dunham to be a TSA ID checker so that you throw up in your own mouth at the thought of having her sexually assault your identification, which is exactly what she will be doing when you look over there. And nobody's going to want that. They're going to say, scan my face. I can't let that happen to my driver's license. This is also why the TSA or the Washington Post says in this article, they say that you don't have to opt into this, but whether you feel like you have a real choice is a separate question. This goes back to what I was just sarcastically talking about, but also very serious in what they're trying to do. This is how they set up nudges. They make the they make the choice they don't want you to make far, far worse, obviously worse than the choice they want you to make. They make it so inconvenient and so awful. It's like I said, either you scan your face or you go let Lena Dunham sexually assault your driver's license. Your choice. And here's what it actually says on the TSA website to try and get you to, this is one of the things I'll tell you when you walk up there. They say on the TSA website, should you choose to opt in to the DHS TSA digital identity pilot, the TSA will collect the data described above from you for the purposes of enhancing transportation security, identity verification, and testing the effectiveness of the technology at the checkpoint under the authority of the Aviation Transportation Security Act. It's a good cause. And a lot of people will see it that way. And it'll also be the way they communicate that information to you. It will be very much, I'm telling you, from probably a charming person who makes it makes you feel like you're doing a good thing if you help them out with their program. And, and then they'll point over to the disgusting. I mean, you can go over there and do it the whole barbaric, horrible way if you want, but we have a much better way. And COVID is still a thing here too. They probably use a COVID angle. You can get COVID over there. Over here, you don't have to worry about that because you're not touching, nobody's touching your ID. Oh, oh, you're only getting groped over here in, in your genitals. Nobody's touching your ID, though. I probably have a basket of puppies sitting by the face scanners. Just everything nice and wonderful over there to get you to make that choice. Then they go on to say on their official website, listen to this. This is crazy. This is in the description of this technology, how it's used and, and the data they collect. Providing the information is voluntary. If you do not provide it, you will proceed through the standard screening process at the checkpoint. Now, this is the next sentence after that. The TSA may share information that you provide with DHS, law enforcement, intelligence agencies, and others under the published system of records notice. So you find out at the very end here that if you do opt in, they're going to keep your data and they're going to provide it to the DHS and law enforcement and intel agencies. So there's your answer to the earlier question that was posed. Yes, if you do opt in, they will in fact have data that they will be able to use to identify you at a protest. And they say their policy is to not use that data for law enforcement purposes. But 
what about for the purposes of protecting national security? Because that's how they always frame these exceptions to the rules. Because this is always, we'll never use your data for that, but this is, wait a minute, threats to democracy, exception to the rule, even though we told you otherwise. We're sorry, we're just going to have to use it to identify you at a protest, like they've already done before. As I mentioned, at Janu- for after the January 6th, when they were trying to round up those defendants, they've already used facial rec technology, and it was controversial then, but it illustrates they have absolutely no problem doing that. And if they have that data that can help them get what they want right in front of them, they're not just going to say, oh, I'm not going to use it. It's like if you had an invisibility cloak in your closet and you just said, I choose not to use it because it's not fair to everybody else who doesn't have one. Now, they're using that mf all the time. They're probably in your shower right now. I think the moral of the story here is that no matter how disgusting Lena Dunham, TSA agent, is, know that they're trying to use her and that process to nudge you into choosing the facial recognition process and go over there and let her sexually assault your driver's license for the sake of privacy. The program is also expanding as they are deploying a pilot program. And I think, I think the Atlanta airport is one, of, one where they've done this. In a couple of airports where you won't even have to present a physical ID for inspection, your face will be your ID. That's it. You just show your face. I'm here. That's your ID. And how it works is you scan your face and it compares passengers' live faces to a database of photos the government already has, typically from passports. And they say that a colleague of theirs, a writer, tried it at the Atlanta airport. So, yeah, they are testing it here in Atlanta. And that it was extra fast and that it saved them probably five minutes. Is that five minutes? Wow, you get saved five minutes and you have your, your face is just there to be hacked and used, and, and you, you, you can never go off grid. Listen to this. They, they talk about the hacking concerns. The Washington Post says at any time data gets collected somewhere, it could possibly be stolen, and that you only get one face. And the TSA says that all of its databases are encrypted to reduce the hacking risk. But in 2019, Homeland Security disclosed that photos of travelers were taken in a data breach accessed through the network of one of its subcontractors, which made me wonder, what does this mean if somebody hacks your facial recognition data? How can they use that? And I did some research, and I found from Euronews, also published yesterday, Kirian Shepard, who is the security solutions architect for the North and West Europe at cybersecurity firm F5, said this regarding facial recognition data and hacking. There's been evidence in the past of High-resolution photographs being used to create dummy eyes or even 3D printed faces to successfully bypass biometric tests. 3D printing your face with your hacked biometric data. I guess they just wear it like face. I, I would imagine if somebody comes to the airport wearing another face on top of their face, TSA agent might be like, are you wearing a face on your face? Take off the face on your face. But apparently apparently not. Apparently this is something people do. Or maybe they're so sophisticated, they're unrecognizable. That's, that's creepy. And then they go on to talk about how difficult it is if your face does get hacked. If, if your face gets hacked, it's such a strange thing to say. Such a 2022 thing to say. They talk about how we have passwords now, the way we do things, and we can just change our username and password. And then it, it's, you know, we start over basically with that. But if your face gets hacked, then you only have one face. You can't just reset and change your face. 
So you're kind of screwed. There's no creating a new face to create a new password. Who do you have to go have reconstructive plastic surgery in order to change your password so that hackers can't pretend to be you? That's another thing. I imagine that by having your facial recognition data, they could make it appear as though you're at places and scanning into places that you aren't actually at could potentially frame you for some sort of crime. One of the solutions they're working on to protect people's faces is a countermeasure that would require security controls to manage your biometric data during the life, entire life cycle of the data. So what they're essentially saying is that you would have to have private security for your face data for the rest of your life. That would You're protecting your face data by giving all your face data to a private security firm, which is going to be on a cloud, which in and of itself could also be hacked. What a relief how secure that is. We are already living in wild times, but man, I think the wild times are, 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 are not even here yet. I mean, it's going to get really wild with some of this technology. Finally, here's a list of airports that are using not this technology, not the one where you don't have to bring your ID, but the initial one that the article was talking about. Here's where these pilot experiments are going on so that you can avoid these airports or be ready to not fall into the the nudge of using the digital face technology. Airports using that technology, Hartsfield Jackson, Atlanta International, Boston Logan International, Baltimore, Washington International, Thurgood Marshall Airport, Ronald Reagan, Washington National, Denver International Airport, of course, Denver, Dallas Fort Worth International, Detroit Metropolitan and Wayne County Airport. Gulfport Biloxi International Airport, Jackson, Medgar, Wiley Evans International Airport, Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas, Los Angeles International Airport, Orlando International, Miami International, Phoenix Sky Harbor International, San Jose International, and Salt Lake City International Airport. So now you know, don't get nudged into facial recognition technology. Okay, so the next story that I want to talk about is former head of Trust and Safety at Twitter and star of the Twitter files, Yoel Roth, the first Yoel, and how the media is attempting to use the same playbook to demonize Elon Musk as they used with Donald to demonize Donald Trump. Identical. It's extraordinary. Yoel is a guy, if you don't recall, who boasted in the Twitter internal Slack communications about his meetings with the FBI that he was having about Trump, and he's a guy who was a little bit too excited about exercising his power to ban Trump's Twitter account, despite the fact that they admitted in the internal Slack communications that Trump actually hadn't violated any of their policies. So they looked for the coded language and meaning to be able to say, oh, it's coded, so we can say he violated it. He's also the guy who Musk tweeted over the weekend saying this. He said, looks like Yoel is arguing in favor of Children being able to access adult internet services in his PhD thesis. Musk attached a screenshot of what appears to be his thesis, the the thesis written by Roth, about gay hookup apps like Grindr. That's an interesting thing to write your PhD thesis on, gay hookup apps like Grindr. I don't know what he was studying. I'm going to read to you exactly what the screenshot that Musk tweeted said. 
which it's a couple of paragraphs from a thesis. So there's obviously context missing. I don't know how long his thesis is, but just a couple paragraphs. Not going to paint you the full picture. But Musk tweet is the reason that this story is in the news. Because they're calling his tweet an attack on Roth. And it's what set all this stuff in motion. So it's really a pattern that we, we've seen for years now, the way this story it, it works here. It's just an excellent example of propaganda, of the way their tactics and techniques for attempting to create false impressions in people's minds. So here's what the screenshot that Musk attached said. Again, Musk tweeted, Looks like Yoel is arguing in favor of children being able to access adult internet services in his PhD thesis, and the attached image from his from Yoel's thesis says, but it's worth considering how, if at all, the current generation of popular sites of gay networked sociability might fit into an overall queer social landscape that increasingly includes individuals under the age of 18. Even with the service's extensive content management, Grindr may well be too lewd or too hookup-oriented to be a safe and age-appropriate resource for teenagers. But the fact that people under 18 are on these services already indicates that we can't readily dismiss these platforms out of hand as a loci for queer youth culture. Rather than merely trying to absolve themselves of legal responsibility or worse, trying to drive out teenagers entirely— Service providers should instead focus on crafting safety strategies that can accommodate a wide variety of use of use cases from platforms like Grindr, including possibly their role in safely connecting queer young adults. Okay, so that is the tweet and image that the media is calling an attack from Elon Musk on Yoel. And there's a number of mainstream media articles going around today with headlines like this. Former top Twitter official forced to leave home due to threats amid Twitter files release. That's CNN's article on the story. And this from the San Francisco Gate. Ex-Twitter head of safety reportedly flees Bay Area home amid Musk attacks. Okay, so notice the article framing here, especially in that second article from the San Francisco Gate. He left due to attacks by Musk. I mean, you get the impression from the San Francisco gate here, that Musk himself was outside of Yoel's house, him and an army of people, of his Twitter followers, all holding tiki torches, threatening Yoel, ready to burn his house down. Every article about this story attempts to leave this impression that Musk said some things on Twitter that led to an angry mob of people finding out where Yoel lives, went to his home, and threatened him so badly that Yoel just had to up and leave. He feared for his life, apparently. That's the impression that they want to leave on the minds of the headline readers-only crowd, which is their target audience. Of course, this is not what happened, or at least there's no indication by any of the articles written that this is what happened. I do want to say that I hope this is not what happened. I don't think anybody should be going to this person's house and threatening him. And it doesn't appear that anyone is. Here is what the CNN article actually says once you read past the headline. And all of the other articles echo the exact same thing. They almost use the exact same words. CNN is reporting that Yoel has fled his home due to an escalation in threats resulting in Elon Musk campaign of criticism. His campaign of criticism. He, he conducted a campaign of criticism. Do they document what this campaign consisted of? No, not at all. And then they say, this according to a person familiar with Roth's situation who spoke to CNN. So right off the bat there, that's at the very start of the CNN article. 
we don't even have Yoel as a source of this information. We get a person familiar with his situation who spoke to CNN. So we have less evidence of what's going on here than we had about what went on when he worked at Twitter, which at least we got those screen images of the internal Slack communications from. Here we just get somebody familiar with Roth and what's going on. And a number of questions come to mind right away based on this first sentence of the CNN article to which they fill in no details later. They use vagary on purpose. Questions like, were the police called? Is there a police report? Was CNN unable to speak to Yoel himself and why? What exactly does, quote, Yoel has fled his home due to an escalation mean? Could we please get a description of that? What caused him to flee his home? It doesn't say he was doxxed. It doesn't say someone showed up at his house with a tiki torch. It doesn't say someone showed up at his house with anything. It doesn't even say that anyone threatened him as the headline suggests that happened. Other than implying that I guess what Musk tweeted was in and of itself a threat. Does that, did that threat rise to the level that he had to flee his home? He was so terrified of this threat. I mean, fleeing could mean anything. I could see a spider, freak, freak out at the spider, and then flee my home, waving my arms around tonight. Is this some sort of situation? CNN presents this idea, and so do all these other articles, that he fled his home. But they do not tell you what he fled from. When you flee, it is from something. So what did he flee from? CNN, no one answers that question. This is how you know this is not journalism. The big claim in the article is that he fled his home and no one told you from what. They just suggest it was caused by Elon Musk tweets. It's like, did he read Elon's tweet? He's sitting at his computer and he read the tweets from Elon and he felt so attacked by them that he got up from his computer Ran out his door screaming, flailing his arms up in the air. Help! Help! I'm being attacked by a tweet! Help! That's what I deduce happened based on these articles. And why didn't CNN ask any of these questions? There's a couple of reasons. They're terrible, obviously, that's one. Uh, Another is that there is an outside possibility that this is some sort of setup. Like, I think that that story about the 10-year-old girl and the abortion was a setup because they were being so intentionally vague. They were baiting people where they're baiting people to call this a hoax, baiting Musk to say that it's not true, only to then reveal that there are more details that someone did show up or to even make something up so they can say, ha, 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 you are are pretending that something didn't happen, kind of like Paul Pelosi when people questioned what happened there. Or CNN knows it's all BS and is being vague intentionally because they know the audience they're targeting with this article isn't going to read past the headline. They aren't going to ask for any details. They're not going to ask any questions. They will just assume this is online violence stirred by a new Trump-like figure in Elon Musk. And that's the idea of what's going on here. They, they want to make it look like Elon Musk is doing the same thing they tried to make it look like Trump was doing, which is incite violence through Twitter by spreading conspiracy theories. I, I mean, this is the exact same playbook. They used on Trump. Listen to this paragraph. This is from the Washington Post uh, in an article that is about the same thing. No, no, wait. This is still. Yeah, no, this is still CNN. I'll get to the Washington Post article in a second. But here's what CNN says. They say Roth has since been the subject of criticism and threats following the release of the Twitter files. However, things took a dark turn over the weekend when Musk appeared to endorse a tweet that baselessly accused Roth of being sympathetic to pedophilia, a common trope used by conspiracy theorists to attack people online. 
okay, there's a lot there. First of all, CNN neither links to or says what the tweet that they say Musk endorsed was. Uh, I'll show it to you. It's right above that other one. So Eliza, who is a child trafficking survivor advocate, she tweeted, I think I may have found the problem, Elon Musk. And she shared a, an old tweet from Yoel Roth back in November of 2010 that said, can high school students ever meaningfully consent with their teachers? And then he linked and then Musk replied to that saying, this explains a lot. And then the next reply that Musk made was the one that I read a moment ago. Looks like Yoel is arguing in favor of children being able to access adult internet services in the PhD link and all of that. This is the reason that CNN did not link this or say what it was because nowhere in there did Musk say that Yoel is a pedophile. And the whole purpose of CNN's article here is to suggest or outright say that Elon is attacking Yoel using what they just call this common trope used by conspiracy theorists. And we'll see QAnon, as you'll see in a moment, to attack people online. I mean, that's the whole purpose here is to make it seem like Elon is just another QAnon conspiracy theorist, except that he has power, making him more dangerous, even more dangerous, perhaps, than the last one they used this playbook on, Trump. Yet Elon never even did what they say that he did. And, and furthermore, is it a trope to accuse people of being pedophiles who are pedophiles? I'm not saying he's a pedophile, but to say that that in and of itself is a conspiracy theorist trope. I guess all of those people who accused Jimmy Savile for decades who weren't believed yet were later proven true, I, I guess they were just QAnon conspiracy theorists spreading a, a common trope. This is a shameful article. This is awful reporting, F- minus in your effort to rebuild trust, CNN. This is our problem. They're trying to rebuild trust, and then they have articles like this using these common techniques to, to be vague, to try and manipulate people into uh, seeing things in articles that aren't by leaving information out. Look at this WAPO-related story. Listen to this. They're talking about this tweet here about Musk's response to the tweet from Eliza, and this is what the Washington Post says, going, going even further than CNN went. It says, If imputing nefarious motives to Twitter's former managers and saying a crime had been committed, excuse me, in imputing nefarious motives to Twitter's former managers and saying a crime had been committed, Musk adopted techniques used by the QAnon conspiracy movement, which falsely claims that Democrats and elites are running child sex abuse networks, promoted by Alex Jones and other far-right operatives, claims of democratic involvement in child abuse. QAnon's precursor is inspi inspired a shooting at Comet Pizza in Northwest Washington when a follower of the theory searched the restaurant intending to rescue any children trapped in a basement that did not exist. The incident became known as Pizzagate. All of that from those tweets. I mean, this is crazy. They're trying to create Elon Musk the insurrectionist coup leader. This is the exact same thing they did to Trump. What sucks is there's a lot of people who are never going to actually read any of this. And they're not going to question any of what was said by CNN or ask any questions. They'll just accept it. And that, that's what sucks. Fortunately, most people see this for what it is. But man, talk about bending over backwards. They're really going around their elbow to get to their ass on this one over, not just at CNN, at the Washington Post, at the San Francisco Gate. It's just so coordinated. It's just so blatant and so coordinated. You have to be brain dead 
to, to buy this stuff. All right, and the final story of the day, I'm going to give you the all-new definition of man and woman according to the Cambridge Dictionary. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the Drive Time News Blast XR, which is another dictionary-related story. We're going to talk about the real meaning of the word of the year selections and how they're chosen and what they truly represent, which is not what they appear to be. Something that most people overlook, the actual importance to what this seemingly fun end of the year word selection actually is. And if you want to get access to that content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. This is the subscriber only content. You can subscribe there. And what you will get is along with that subscriber only portion of the show is you will get this show, the drive time news blast ad free. I take out the ads for subscribers and I put them together, this show and the XR in one RSS feed, a private RSS feed that you will get through Patreon that you can pop into just about any podcasting app that you listen to your podcast on. So patreon.com slash propaganda report. That is how I support the show. And you can also, if you want to help out, you can leave a five-star review with a kind comment that warms my heart and helps keep my morale high and helps keep me motivated. That stuff really does help. And I appreciate the kind words that you guys have said. Okay. Now on to the final story of the day, which is funny, ridiculous, all, all at the same time. And that is that we have a, a new definition of man and woman. There's all these online dictionaries, and uh, that just gives them so many different opportunities to change the, the definition of man and woman and make it a prominent news story. Because we've already changed the definition of man and woman in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary and I believe some other dictionaries as well. But now we have the Cambridge Dictionary. And just when you attach Cambridge to anything, it sounds so prestigious, so, so pretentious, and has, so respectable, and has such credibility. It's Cambridge. And here's what Cambridge's new definition of man is. An adult who lives and identifies as male, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. So Cambridge's new definition of man is woman, kind of, sort of. And here's an example they give. Use it in a sentence. Mark is a trans man. This equals a man who was said to be a female when they were born. And then the next example is their doctor encouraged them to live as a man for a while before undergoing the surgical transition. Just give it a shot. Just drive it around the neighborhood for a while. See how it feels on you. You don't have to buy anything yet, but if you like it, come on back and we'll sell you the whole procedure. Chop it right off, throw some boobs on you, walk on out of here, whatever. Or the other way around, I guess. We'll, we'll, we'll pop one on you and then you can be a man. There's the definition up on screen, and I love this little feature they have over here on the right. They have more meanings of man along with that, so, and those include idioms and phrases, phrasal verbs, and they have just some more meanings. Like they have best man, con man, hatchet man, stunt man, the man in the street, man's best. I think we should update those as well. Best trans man, con trans man. Hatchet trans man, stunt trans man, the trans man in the street, trans man's best friend. We need to have a trans man to man conversation. You know, Joe over there, he's a trans man's man. One man's loss is a, another trans man's gain, which that could actually be 
literally true if we're talking attaching parts. A man's got to do what a trans man's got to do. Okay, enough fun with that. Now let's go over to the definition, the new definition of woman, which you can anticipate is going to be very similar. And that would be any adult who lives and identifies as female, though they may have been said to have a different sex at birth. She was the first trans woman elected to national office. Mary is a woman who was assigned male at birth. Oh, no idioms over here to have fun with. Okay, so that's going to wrap that up. So, officially, a trans man is a man and a trans woman is a woman. According to Cambridge Dictionary now, I still don't understand how all that works, this corruption of language and and using these pronouns just to mess with. I mean, it's confusing. If a trans man is a a man and a trans woman is a woman, why do we have to attach trans to it? I, I don't understand. I don't know. They're trying to brainwash people is what they're trying to do and cause conflict. I don't care what anybody identifies as, but once they start getting upset with it and they're a jerk about it all the time, that, that's the problem. And they teach people to just be outraged all the time. If you're cool about it and you understand people are going to need some adjusting time before they identify you as a proper gender and you get that, then whatever, it's fine. But when you force it upon people and try to force pronouns, stating pronouns and stuff upon people, don't call me cis. I'm not going to start saying I'm a cis this. Why is cis male sound like sissy? Nobody wants to say I'm a cis male, a manly cis male. No, I'm not saying that. Nobody's saying that. That's intentional brainwashing, convoluted, twisted propaganda. All right. I don't care what you identify as. Just. Be cool about it. Just be cool to people is like my message all the time. Just don't be a jerk. Be cool. And that's my parting message for today. Thank you, guys. We're going to go into the DMBXR and continue the conversation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. And I hope your Christmas holidays are going well. And we will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.